Hello and welcome to another episode of Cut to Reveal, the podcast where we talk about the editing art form and all the hurdles of that career path. As always, I'm joined by Peter. Hey, hello everyone. And friend of the podcast, Erwan. Bonjour tout le monde. It means hello everyone. In <laughs> uh, and today we've got a special, it's a special edition. It's the Halloween edition, which is our first holiday special, so to speak. We've got a lot of great Halloween goodies. We're going to have a Halloween edition of the game which obviously Erwan will participate in. We're going to talk about horror movies, but also something new or something not so new, but a new version of is the editing chef. Peter, talk a little bit about that before we get into it. Yeah, so I relaunched the program uh, and the editing chef has some new stuff in it. Basically, it was always focused on editing productivity, all the stuff that we can do to boost the efficiency and the effectiveness in, in the editing bay, right? But right now the program is a little bit bigger. It has stuff like creative editing techniques videos. Uh, so basically every other week I will publish editing court video that addresses one of the techniques. For example, the first one that I also published publicly is about using morph cuts for narrative editing. And stuff like that, we also will have uh, special events like roundtable discussions, downloadable practice footage that people will be even like to some extent use them for the uh, use for the reel as well. Uh, live sessions, bonuses, all this stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about this after the game. Uh, so yeah, like let's let's do the Hollywood stuff, the, the Halloween. The Halloween, <laughs> not the Hollywood, the Hollywood Halloween. <laughs> Hollywood Halloween. I, I wish we could do some Hollywood stuff, but but yeah, <laughs> let's do let's That's, do some be another episode stuff, uh, first. Uh, so yeah, we'll get back to we'll get back to it, the editing chef a little bit later. And actually, everyone, like you're the guest um, in this episode for a good reason. You directed, written, and like. Public and produced a few short films, horror short films on your own, haven't you? Very, very short films. <laughs> micro short. And yeah, micro short films under five, under four to five minutes. A long time ago. I mean, you know, it doesn't <laughs> change the fact. And like, these are good. These are really good. I, I watched them a few months ago. I, you are my one and only fan. Really? And, oh, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm a fan. Really? I watched okay. them. Ricardo, like too. Ricardo too. Ricardo You know what? <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know. Maybe you, you should give them the second life or something like that. Like There's a plan far ahead if my editing career doesn't go the way I want it to go. Mm-hmm. That when I'm 40 and I'm, I'm, I won't say my age, but I'm, I'm nearly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very near 40. I, I would make a, a feature, a feature film, like a, a long form narrative horror movie, which would be an independent movie. But that's the plan. If nobody hires me anymore. Look at that so, guy. This so is his plan we'll Like, can you believe it? <laughs> 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 this is his, your, your plan B? Like. My goodness, like it's a plan A for most people. So, <laughs> but it, it's probably going to be terrible. So I, I don't intend to have to do it. And uh, I'm going to, I'll, I'll say that it probably won't be terrible just based off of the films that I've already seen you cut and produce. So thank you. Thanks a lot. I, I know that I have two backers that I can ask for a lot of <laughs> yeah. money now. Hey, uh, Ricky, so, I so think that, that's that we great. are too friendly for everyone. So like, let- <laughs> uh, I, I'll invest. I'll invest. And by the way, like uh, once we transition to the game, I think that I'm in a big disadvantage because both Erwin and Ricky are big into horror films. And I'm like, you know, I've seen some and actually I like them more these days than I used to. 
but I haven't seen probably half of what you have. So well, yeah, we'll see. Anyway. I haven't seen a lot lately, at least. Mm-hmm. You, Erwan, and Peter are in Europe, and they don't do Halloween like they do in the states. We don't have it in in Poland. We, I mean, we do to some extent. Like I think the younger generation does celebrate it to some extent. Probably not as much as you do in the US. Is it the reason why horror is a big genre in in the US? Um, I don't know. If that's it, I mean, I think that the reason that ho- my guess that ho- Halloween is so big in the States is because it's marketing and mm-hmm. just basically like if you go, if you're in the States, the things are, it's all the holidays are hugely marketed and you will know if you go to the store, you'll know what, what time of year it is just based off of like, oh, Halloween is coming soon or Christmas is coming soon, yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. because of all the stuff within the stores that are themed that way. In regards to horror, I don't know that I don't know that that has an effect on it other than maybe the Hollywood is in obviously in the States and, you know, they just want to churn out movies anyway, or there's just a bigger that's a, that's a good question. I don't know, psychologically or maybe my question is even flawed, like maybe it's even not correct. Maybe uh, it's not like particularly bigger genre than in Europe. Like horror is a big genre yeah. overall, right? It's big in yeah. Asia, it's big uh, in yeah. Europe, it's big overall. So maybe maybe it's not even a good question. <laughs> but if, if I can jump in, I guess that in Poland and in France, um, like this tradition, this American tradition was kind of forced onto our country because uh, I know that France was very much influenced uh, culturally by the United States, especially through music and cinema. Mm-hmm. And so I always have been aware of Halloween, even if I was young, but yeah. we didn't like celebrate it. And, and through the years, my parents sometimes threw parties w- with their friends and it came up dressed, but it wasn't like when I see Americans like dressing up for Halloween, it's just crazy. It's insane how much money they, they, they put in, into their costumes, into dressing their homes. Yeah. And, and we just don't have that. It's just like something that, that, doesn't really Halloween doesn't mean anything to us. It mm-hmm. It's just another way to celebrate and for the kids to get candies. And yeah. I guess to some extent, extent it's the same in the U.S. But it, it's such a considerable considerable phenomena in mm-hmm. in the U.S. When I see like that through movies or, or even on TV, it's it boggles my mind how much like how crazy and how like yeah. gorgeous some of the costumes and how much energy and passion people put into like trying to be original and, and like replicating uh, costumes from movies or, mm-hmm. or from TV shows. It's really impressive, but it doesn't like bear the same meaning or uh, as the same scale in, yeah. in France. And I, I guess it's, it's kind of the same in Poland and all over Europe. I haven't even ha- been on any like dressing up party Halloween style. <laughs> yeah. I may have been to one and it's like, and it's not beautiful costumes that we have. We just do the bare minimum because we don't really give a fuck. About it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know that there's much more to it other than, you know, people love the fall holiday and, you know, the fall season. And then, you know, Halloween is just associated with that. Mm-hmm. It's like Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving, which is about, you know, yeah. having a huge meal with your mm. family and whatever. And then Halloween, those are the big holidays within, within autumn and beyond like for Halloween specifically. I mean, I don't know that it's much beyond the romanticism of like Halloween and dressing up and like it's very spooky and all those type of things and yeah. like the horror film vibe, but also, you know, just getting candy. Like it's just a, 
I don't mean the meaning of like with a lot of these things, you know, I, yeah. the meaning of Halloween is nobody knows it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I, I kind mean, of like, okay. It's a tradition by this point, just right? Get, so it's, Yeah, it's just to get candy and that's awesome and to have a good time and hijinks and, and whatever. But getting back to what you were saying, it's also a moment in the year where companies like, for example, the, the, the famous Blumhouse productions, yeah. like get their horror movies out because they know that. Yeah. I don't know if it's that at the exact night of Halloween or it's it's for a week, but people are going to go to movies to, to get scared. Yeah. And so these movies, even if there's not good, are going to have like people, viewers coming in, an audience coming yeah. in. And so it's a, it's a great way for these sometimes little horror movies to do great business because oh, it's no. just like no people doubt. are in the spirit of, of getting, getting spooked. Yeah. I, I, now I don't have my hand so much on the, the pulse of that to know that like, most horror movies within the States is that the release date is on Halloween or around Halloween, because the fact is that horror is released in the States throughout the year. Yeah. But I mean, Yeah, there's significant that there are probably certain titles that are released, obviously, like Halloween. But at least more people will go see a horror movie. That's true. No, you're right, right. There's the, that's the, uh, that would be like the appropriate time. Like even myself for October, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching, I'm trying to watch a horror movie every day. Just oh, to be like, really? So I'd love to be able to do that. Yeah, which is not working out as well as it should be. But also I stay up really late at night. So go figure. So anyway, the, but, um. No, I agree with you that there's definitely, um, like I said before, romanticism about it. Like, okay, this is the time that it's, it's, this is when people get scared. It's in October and this is when the monster movies come out. Or this is when we talk about yeah. slasher films and vampires and, you know, those type of things. Yeah. And do you, one final question about that subject, but do you feel like, because I have no idea, like a movie like Halloween, John Carpenter's mm -hmm. uh, Halloween made it bigger like made it more culturally important or it, there's like, it was already extremely big. That's a great question. I don't know. Because that, to be honest, Halloween came out before Sem I was seven, 78, I think. 70, okay. So, so I would have been a year old. Okay, so I would, okay. I would have never known I, nothing to think of to the back. Yeah. You But didn't I mean, pay attention at the time. No, no, I was, I was thinking about other things, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but bo boobies and milk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> more my next meal was coming from, um, <laughs> But even then, like there's like, because you can see, I don't, it, it might have taken it up a notch, but Halloween was always big in the States, even yeah. despite the marketing of, yeah, of yeah. Um, candy and yeah. other horror films and whatnot. So I don't know. That's a great question. It could have, it might have. And maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Uh, I don't have the word, but hoping that Halloween made, made such a mark that it just like blew everyone away and just made Halloween. That was that little thing now became a, like a huge thing. Thanks to one movie. Well, let's just go with that. We'll just go with that. <laughs> but even within that movie, you can see everybody celebrating Halloween a very specific way. You know, there's tons of kids out trick or treating and yeah, people are going yeah, to Halloween definitely. parties and, and all that thing. It's time for the game. It's time for the game. So all right. let's roll up our sleeves. For those of the people who are listening that haven't heard of the game or know what the game is, the game is basically a game that we came up with that has no title because we're not that creative. And it's kind of like a, a trivia game where previously, and actually Erwan, we've actually done it with him before in, a, in the episode that he was on with uh, Jervin and um, John. But it's kind of like a categories, if you know that game, or like a trivia. So we ask each other simple questions, which don't always have one answer. They might have one or two or three answers. And they're usually about TV shows 
or movies. And so it could be about a TV show, about a movie. It could be about people in the movie, the, the director, actors, whatever, anything. Or even, I think we last time we played, we actually even had like something about um, technical aspects of editing. I may be making that up. Regardless, those are the rules. I think you are, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, every answer that you get right, you get one point. We were doing it where you get negative points, but we don't need to do that. So anyway. <laughs> so we have 12 questions all together. Four points maximum uh, you can get. And by the way, I was just, just wanted to say that the game is called the game not because we're not creative. That's because, <laughs> that's because we know that the most creative name is the one that you wouldn't suspect. So we, we decided, <laughs> why call it something? Let's call the game, let's call a game, the game, right? So that even though there are like millions of games in the world, this is the game, right? So that's, that's the, the one. Reason. This is this the one is game. The one game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then really quick, we each have, so for single um, answer questions, we only have 10 seconds to answer. Multiple answered questions, you get 30 seconds to answer. So, People, this is really high stakes. We're under a lot of pressure now, so yeah. just bear that in mind. Which makes it I'm difficult. not sure yeah. I have I have the right kind of questions. <laughs> <laughs> the question I, giver is the person who keeps time. Okay. So, Ricky, the question to you. I'm ready. The question to you. Uh, it's a 10-second question. The question is, what is a horror film in which teleportation is important to the plot? Oh my god. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Um do, 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 do. teleportation. Tell me. Fly? Oh, okay. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I wouldn't even thought of that. Oh yeah, because I don't see the the fly as, as a teleportation thing, but it is. It is, yeah. That's yeah. I mean that's right. There's nothing wrong about that at all. It's just because it's so like it's not the first movie that comes to mind since it's like it's, yeah he's just trying to figure out teleportation but it's like it's just two pods near one another so you don't you don't think you just think of him turning into a fly that's <laughs> at right some point oh, that's a good one that's a good one nice Peter so it's my turn now and I'm going to be asking Erwan yeah exactly uh, some questions all right all right this is for a single answer okay I got ten <laughs> seconds on the clock a lot of pressure on me. I will start the timer after I ask the question. So, Erwan, name at least one horror musical. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. I give it to him. Ding, 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 ding. What, what would have been the other answers? Oh, I got, I got one. Uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, exactly. That's what I would say. What's the other one? Anna and the Apocalypse. Anna and the Apocalypse. Haven't seen There's it. There's that one. It's, it's very recent. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very recent. There's another one, like a trauma one I was thinking of. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You got one. It works. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, awesome. Erwan, first one on the board with a point. A point for <laughs> Erwan. Bravo. <laughs> that, was, that was an easy one. Like, it's a very well-known movie, even for, if not, you're not in a, a horror film, fan film. Yeah. So, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I'm the guest. You should be nice. <laughs> Why? Why is that the okay. rule? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so now it's for you, Peter. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I need to prepare. It's a one. You have one answer to give me. I'm ready. Which Friday the Thirteenth movie recreates the famous gun barrel shot 
from the James Bond movies. <laughs> <laughs> the first one. <laughs> no, uh, to be honest, like uh, Friday the, the 13th is still on the watch list. So I, I haven't even seen it. Uh, but, but I don't but, even know what that, that is. That's a cool question. That's a cool question. Is it? Is it the uh, the third one, the three D one? So I I know like I've seen it. Uh, I don't know if it's in three D. It's it's Friday the Thirteenth. Jason leaves, and so it's kind of considered one of the best because it's kind of funny and and so there's that you remember the gun barrel shot from the the opening of all yeah, yeah. the James Bond movies, and in this one it's just like so he he's dead at the beginning of the of the movie, and and the guy uh, like goes to his grave. And just like it's it's nighttime and there's oh, a, the a thunderstorm and and so it, it takes some some sort of sword or something like that and, and just plunging it into his torso and there's uh, lightning strikes and so it touches the sword and he gets revived and oh, so he starts killing right. the, the two the two guys and at some point you have a close up on an, on, on the dead guy eye <laughs> and you see him like walking from the side into <laughs> the middle of the screen. <laughs> With the machete, and it just throw it to the <laughs> to the screen, and there's a lot of blood. So, so yeah, so that 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 was that was that. That's awesome. That's cool. That's a good one. That's cool. Okay, so we'll we'll go the other way around right now. So I'll ask a question to everyone, right? Everyone to Ricky yeah, and yeah, Ricky okay. to let's, me. Let's do that. So uh, time for round two. After the first one, everyone is with one point, and the hosts are with zero points. <laughs> this wasn't planned people this wasn't planned yeah it wasn't okay everyone are you ready for your question yes i am so name two horror films starring jim cummings um the wolf of snow hollow one and a horror film like would it, would it be considered horror um oh I, i'm blanking the title what's the title it has already? halloween ah. in the name Oh yeah, uh, Halloween kills. Halloween kills. Uh, Halloween. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but no, you you helped me that. out. I can't. I can't take credit for that. You. You helped well, me out. Yeah, it's one and a half. It's one and a half. You got one and a half. Because I was thinking of of not movies he was acting in, but the movies he acted in and directed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. and I was blanking on the, on the titles of, of his movies, yeah. Yeah. even though I've, if I've seen them all. I mean, in my in my opinion, you got it. We can like give you probably like oh point seventy five. Give me give me a uh, half a point, half a point. Well, okay, we got one. So point five, since you only get one point. Point five. So <laughs> listeners, they're very five. generous with their guests, but that that's what everybody should do. <laughs> and the Wolf of Snow Hollow is is a really really good film. Like Jim Cummings is doing. Like I found found out about him not through you, but like I learned your love, and I said to myself, "Well, I really need to." to look at his movies up and it's uh, great because they're so different yeah. than what you yeah. what you're used to yeah okay let's let's go with your question to ricky so it's my i'm, I'm asking question to ricky yeah because yeah, we're yeah, going okay. we're reversing okay, okay, the okay, order okay. so ricky i'm ready so uh, one same, same thing one answer okay which movie is considered the very first slasher uh, i would say halloween <laughs> right of the 13th <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> What's the very first slasher? Uh, slasher. So the movie is considered the very first slasher would be Peeping Tom from 1960. Wow. It was okay because to most people the very first slasher would be um, Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock Psycho. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah. But Peeping Tom was released. It's another um, English movie. It was released 
three months before Psycho. Really? Oh. And it was such a surprise to the audience that Michael Powell, who was a very well-respected director, mm -hmm. had struggles like continuing his career after that because people, audiences and critics felt the movie was depraved. The yeah. director is Michael Powell, yeah. who done The Red Shoes. And now he's considered like Peeping Toe is now considered one of the, like he's, he's in 27th position in the best movies of the of britain wow uh, and and so and yeah it almost destroyed his, his career but it's like the halloween movie john carpenter's halloween movie is considered like like the quintessential slasher because it, it has all the elements mm -hmm. but like historically the very first slasher kind of got the formula would be peeping tom okay That's i wanted to everybody to be like smarter after that, that <laughs> i'm smarter now too yeah <laughs> it's a it's a great trivia I've heard that. I've heard of that movie before, but never thought of it as a, a slasher. But I've only heard the name. But another interesting thing about Halloween is that though Halloween is a slasher movie, there's no blood in that movie. The original, at least. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't No blood at all. Not a trickle? Nothing with a trickle? <laughs> not a trickle. Not, not, not in regards to like getting stabbed. There's no blood in that movie. And if you watch, there's a great series on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. And they talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. And what's funny is that Halloween came out, John Carpenter. Um, and then when they were making Friday the 13th, they're just like, let's just do Halloween, but make it with blood. <laughs> so then Friday the 13th was the same. No, to, to be honest, I, I'm not surprised <laughs> by it. And to be honest, like I think that very often blood actually likes it, makes it less scary. Mm. You know, is is the thing that we do in, in editing as well, right? We... Sometimes you like postpone gratification. You don't want to have this like visual violence on the screen because this psychological violence is actually more powerful, right? So in Jaws, for example, oh, I mean, the reason was probably like the, you know, the budget and the shark wasn't really looking like a real shark, but still like they, they postponed it and like you can see shark for only like three times on the screen for like, you know, yeah. 20 frames or something like that yeah. because postponing it and like actually actually makes it more scary right so it doesn't surprise me that like you know i think that a lot of there are a lot of probably good horror films that don't have like you know huge amounts of blood splashed around yeah uh, that's true i feel like that there were in regards to halloween that there probably was another reason that it wasn't so not altruistic but profound where it was just like they were these are there's if you want to make this movie there can't be any blood in it and <laughs> like that was it rather yeah, than like true. let's do it and make it not blood because it'll be more psychologically, you know, deranged <laughs> or, you know, get the audience. Huge amount of blood um, is more like would make the audience more uneasy than scared. You know, yeah. I've seen recently uh, the movie um, from Brandon Cronenberg, uh, what what was called Possessor. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's a very good movie, very artistic in the way you approach his horror. But it's really like the blood makes you really like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's not scary, but it puts you in a position that you really feel bad. It's because it's it's so cruel, so so crude mm. that it's not like your usual horror movie that just want to scare you. It wants to make you feel bad, and 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 that really works. So yeah, I understand that you don't need. I'm thinking of one of my latest like favorite horror movies was the movie It Follows, mm -hmm. and I don't think there's that much amount of blood in the movie. Yeah, either. Get Out, for example, yeah. uh, Jordan Peele's movie, right? Uh, also, like, you, you only have blood by the end of it. But, you know, the 
two thirds of the film are feel like horror as well, and you have no blood mm-hmm. at all in that, right? So right. yeah, I mean, blood usually if, for me sometimes it even makes it more funny than scary. So it's true, <laughs> depending on it's how true. you yeah. use it. So right, uh, the example you gave, yeah. Erwan, is probably a little bit different. Where it was like you know, it was yeah, provoking yeah, exactly. you to to have this this different approach to to the scenes and like you know the the, the way you feel about what's going on, right? But if it's just used as like this thing that like you know goes out of human lambs or <laughs> then it's probably like more funny sometimes than, than scary. Yeah, you took you t- you take like Peter Jackson's Brain Dead and his other yeah. horror films. Like he goes very far. Even the Coen Brothers like use blood and Quentin Tarantino. It makes like yeah. blood and huge, especially a huge amount of blood make it less realistic yeah mm-hmm. and so it, it kind of takes you out but if it's like what the director wants he wants you to think that it's funny it's like dark horror yeah and like dark comedy within horror mm-hmm. and and i i think that's great but yeah i think that it's also like not using blood in horror movies when you really want to scare also stems back from censorship and and like directors who grew up watching these movies like they don't it's kind of an homage to these movies and they don't feel like, yeah, you don't need blood. It's not scary within itself. Right. It's the situation you put the character in. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Let's move on, guys. So I'm asking you now. Am I asking you, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> Do I give you one? All right. Can't tell if I should give you an easy one or should give you a hard one. Oh, I like Shelly, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 30 seconds. 30 seconds on the clock. Got it. Name three horror films by Benedicio del Toro. No, not Benedicio del Toro. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. And it's Benicio, not Benedicio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making up stuff. So you could just say anything now if you want, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's uh, Nightmare Alley. Uh, it's this one sentence title. Come on. Time is up. I mean, I have this second title on my tongue, but I wouldn't have the third (laughs) one. So I only know two horror films by by Guillermo del Toro. So so I I would have two answers anyway. So it wouldn't be a full point anyway. But I have this Fans Labyrinth, right? That's that's the second one that I had on my on my. I would consider that more of a horror film than than uh, Nightmare Alley. Okay. So, yeah, Pan's Labyrinth would have been good. Kronos, the first film he did, mm-hmm. which is about vampire. And Crimson Peak also would have been a good one. Crimson Peak, yeah, okay. Those aren't the only three, but those are mm-hmm. ones that come to the top of my head. But, I mean, I can't even get the man's name right, so don't take <laughs> my word for it. <laughs> and he just, and, and I'm a very big fan of Guillermo del Toro, and he just released on Netflix uh, an anthology series, like with some great directors, and each one has his own like little movie, and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be great. And I can't wait to watch it. I think it was released yesterday or something like that. Really? What's uh, the name of it? Uh, it's uh, so in French, it's Cabinet de Curiosité, Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I got it's actually the same name, the same title as a, a book of his. That Cabinet I, I, of Curiosities, yeah. We, and there's like like very famous, but famous horror movies, female and male directors. And who done like some great movies before? I'll watch so it. Really I'll like, watch it. I need to catch up with my horror knowledge. So yeah. I, I'll watch it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, we are after the first round. Uh, I mean, two rounds basically, but we're in the middle of the game, right? So uh, 
I just want to show you what Soundly came up with. So Soundly uh, made this website. Let me share my screen. So Soundly made this thing they call they they call Spookly, which basically play um, it plays sound effects from Soundly uh, randomly, horror sound effects, right? So uh, let's 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 give it a go. Okay. Hi, babe. My parents are in town for the weekend and they really want to meet you. So I suggested to rent a cabin in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone connection so you can really get to know each other. <laughs> That's not scary. That's not scary. Oh, that is scary, I, depending on who's coming. I mean, when you wake up, sometimes it is, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's more like, I, I think it's scary when you're in a st- situation, you have to think about like, you're in a house and someone is looking for you within the house to kill you and you're like, exactly. I actually, I have a short movie exactly with that scene that you, you can do. see in other you do. horror movies everywhere. There, there you go. Yeah. Afraid, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's you see, so it is a horror sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's listen to the next one. Oh, they got him. They got him. Oh, they- <laughs> hey, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a bunch of sound effects. That was like yeah, a yeah, yeah. mini movie right there. Let's play another one. Uh, that's like the soundtrack for Diablo game or something like that. I like it. You think so? Yeah, I mean, if Creed, you work you- for it. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of a haunted house. Oh, yeah. You're near the climax of the movie. And like the the man or the the woman like is walking through through like the big hallway and she suddenly hear like voices from all oh, around yeah. and like lights coming through the big windows. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. That's nice. And you can see like the the maybe the floor squeaking or something like that. I like it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Unrelated, have you guys been to um haunted houses? Like, do they have haunted houses around the time of Halloween by you guys? I used to go to what we felt was a haunted house when I was younger, but it wasn't at all. It was in the middle of the forest, and that's the best we could we could find. <laughs> but I actually watched a, a, a very good movie recent, very recently, like a couple of days ago, which is called Deadstream, which is a found footage uh, movie. Oh, and it's a guy like streaming, uh, streaming himself going to a haunted house, and it's very clever with it, with his concepts. It's a mix between Evil Dead and Blair Witch. Right. And it's, and it's really, it's really funny and it's really well done because most of the time in found footage, you don't understand why people are shooting. Yeah. People are so afraid and they're holding that, their cameras like that when you, when yeah. you should be just running. Yeah. And like, it's very, very smart because he has like the camera is mounted on him. Mm-hmm. So, and he puts cameras like GoPros all over the house and he has a computer when he can see what the camera sees. So it's very, very like cleverly done, and it's a very small budget. Yeah, I wanted to see that. That is not what I meant. I meant like in the states, they have they're called haunted haunted houses, and you pay to go into them, and it's like basically people just like jumping out at you. Oh, right. Okay. I thought it was like going into to a real haunted. <laughs> okay. Yeah, know what people feel okay. like are haunted houses. So I houses. have been like on the like 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 there are like you know fun centers basically where you have things like that. Basically, yeah, 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 yeah. So I have been to. One or two, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you have a lot of YouTubers who do that. 
who have like, oh, I'm going to a haunted house. Yeah. And it's just sound effects all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And we're playing on the editing. Yeah. And it's just like, there's nothing. We're just creating, creating horror from absolutely <laughs> nothing, just a sound. Yeah, yeah. And now uh, spooky stories. And in the end, how oh, was so scary. I heard voices. Yeah, but nothing happened. Like, <laughs> you, you were the one just creating everything. Yeah. Like, thank, thank you, my editor. Yeah. yeah. It's like those ch- ghost chasing shows. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Okay, guys, uh, I just wanted to show you this spooky uh, website because I thought it's fun. Uh, and and yeah, as you said, is, like, sound effects in horrors like are huge, right? Oh, huge sound, sound effects, we, we all know as editors that sound effects are really extremely important. And especially in genre movies, when you need to, especially in, I, I find myself in action and in horror, uh, which are very, like, to me, cinematic because there's... These are genres when you don't have that much dialogue, when you're really, really in, in the genre, yeah. when you're doing action sequence and horror like you, it's much about like what you can create just through sound because it's just like watching, uh, because I've got several action movies, action shorts and, and you people are fighting. It's not that interesting until you start to put sound effects yeah. and sound effect and other sound effect. And that makes it exciting. It's exactly the same for horror, like even little sound, like mostly when I'm doing horror, I took everything out and I just like put tons of sound effects, even it's little things because it's, it gives you that rich and layer, uh, like soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, guys, uh, it's time for more question to Ricky and we'll go on the same route. So yeah, Ricky, are you ready? Yeah, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So do you want a difficult one or, uh, Give him a difficult one. I haven't gotten, one. They've all been difficult so far. I haven't gotten one point on the board. <laughs> I know. I know you haven't gotten any, any easy questions. I get it. We're, we're not really good at that game. <laughs> let's be honest. Everyone's good at this game, but we are not good uh, at this I game. Have a, I have one point. <laughs> you have one and a half points. <laughs> one and a half. Yeah, yeah. One and <laughs> it's a difficult okay. one, but let's try it anyway. Okay. <laughs> so in the early 1990s, there was a horror film that is very well known that was the first horror film to get big five for on Oscars, on Academy Awards, uh, which basically is an Oscar for directing, producing, writing, and actors, both male and female. I think I know. Big five. It's very well known. It's, as I said, I think that the, 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 the thing that you should hold on to is that it has very good lead female and lead male actor, Right. So with that in mind, I think you should, you could be able to. You're giving away too much. Yeah, you're giving away too much, but I know, I know what it is now. (laughs) Go ahead. It's uh, Silence of the Lambs. Bravo. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's so disappointed. (laughs) We gave the tisk. Point for Ricky. Bravo. Okay, Ricky. Finally. Finally. And and I guess to most people, it's not even a horror movie. It it is a thriller. Yeah, you're right. It's like, it's, it's, it's a thriller as well. A lot lot of people just see a thriller in it. There's horrors. But it is, it is extremely scary. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I finally got a point on the board. So I'm not totally useless at this game right now. (laughs) So then my next question is to Erwan. Yep. All right. I'm looking for one answer. Well, it's not a multiple. It comes from a multiple choice. So it's 10 seconds on the board. <laughs> Which of these three actors played the Wolfman? Adam Driver, George Clooney, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas? Yes. <laughs> Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson yeah. yeah. Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Jack, Ni- Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that is correct. You got it within the time of it, and I still don't know the names of actors and directors. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you people out so, there listening aren't, yeah, Nic- Jack Nicholson. He, yeah, Nic- Nicholas. Nicholas also won for for the Cuckoo's Nest. He he also this was actually the second film that got the big five. By the way, yeah, the the you know oh, the uh, one flew over the cuckoo's one nest. One flew over, yeah, over the cuckoo's nest. So that's the second one that got the big five. Uh, have you seen Jack Nicholson's speech when he won the Oscar for the Cuckoo's Nest? I haven't. No, it was um, no, it, it was for the movie he did before. I think it was Chinatown. Yeah, yeah and yeah, so China and he was actually shooting. He was actually shooting Cuckoo's Nest at that time, mm-hmm. so he couldn't be at the Oscars. But he shot something, and he's tr- so you see him with all the cast and very very in character. And he's trying to speak and nobody can hear him. And so he, he just punches the glass and there's actually a glass in front of him that breaks down. And he said, Oh, I just wanted to, to thank everyone. And so Danny DeVito, who's in character. So he's just like looking at, looking at him. Just it's, it's very, very funny. It's one of the best speech because it's, it's everybody's in character. I have to look it up. That's a homework for me. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll post the, the link. There's probably, it's probably online somewhere. We can post it, it, yeah. The, I've the seen it. I, I've discovered it very recently on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. So it's okay. the pressure and the 10 seconds of pressure. The pressure of the <laughs> but game. It's, yeah. It people. was actually Jack Nicholson and the movie was called The Wolfman, right? Yes. It was a half decent movie, if I can, if I remember. Okay, you know who his everyone. It's time for your yeah. question. Name four found footage horror movies. Four, four of them. Yeah, four. You have thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, Blair Witch Project, which is kind of found footage, but not really. No, it is. It is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's not really. So I, I wonder, like, what's the how should I treat it? But anyway, uh, I will not name four. Slidewalk Project is the one that comes to my <laughs> Okay, let's, let's do three. Comes, let's do three. This comes to my head. Ricardo, you can help out. <laughs> uh, Cloverfield? A uh, Cloverfield. Yeah. Okay, I've seen this one as well. I've seen this one as well. Why haven't I thought about it? Uh, so yeah, <laughs> these are two found footage color <laughs> films that I've seen. I haven't seen more, I think. <laughs> okay, I think the 30 seconds have passed now. Yeah. <laughs> what would be the third one? So Blair Witch was actually yeah that was the a first real found footage movie yeah. like you you, you I said always it was, thought but it's, it is it was like produced this way oh yeah it was produced that way but it was it falls yeah. into the genre of found yeah footage. The, the genre is like it's not actually found <laughs> it's like the movies are just shot that way okay and these are called found footage so <laughs> Blair Witch is the okay very I mean f- I know it it was but I I thought you were asking about like maybe like you know finding footage. That someone shot a, a real situation when oh. they got oh, no, killed. Oh no, no, I was no, the, the, no, no, the, no. You understood the question, Ricardo, right? What's that? You you understood the question yeah. when I asked. Yes, I did. Yeah. So Peter, you just like you, you didn't get the question. <laughs> it's okay. I think I got. You have one point. You have one point for, for Blair Witch. Uh, it's okay? it's one third of the point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll give you point three. <laughs> point thirty three. <laughs> so you had. You also had. So it was an easy question because I I just like a minute ago I was talking about found footage movies. We talked about Deadstream, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen, so that's why I haven't recollected it. There was an, another one we talk, we just talked about, but there was also Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Wreck, I mean, I, I, I've seen uh, Cloverfield. One, one Cut of the Dead, even if it's not all oh, found yeah. footage. What, one Cut of the mm-hmm. Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and paranormal the Activity also. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about those movies. Wreck are, are both, the first and the second Wreck are both found footage. Those are both real good. Yeah. Um. I The second one, not so much in my, yeah, the first <laughs> one was really good. Second one I've seen in, in cinemas and it was 
not get good. And about paranormal activity, that was the, f- the very, I think the very first movie that was produced by Jason Bloom from Blumhouse production. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the most, uh, I don't know the, the word in, in, in English, but from how much money they put in, I think it was $300,000 and they got like more than three, $300 million, even maybe $600 million coming back to them. Yeah. So it was, like was the most profitable movie of all time like that. Yeah. There was an, there was something else I just read about. Is it Halloween? Some, but like horror movies, maybe this, I may be totally crazy saying this or maybe wrong. If I am wrong, let us know in the comments or send us a message. <laughs> but that mostly horror movies, they always have these small budgets and then they end up like the return once they, if they hit like doubles, triples, like quadruples the amount of money. Oh yeah. This, this is actually um, Jason Bloom all way of doing things. Most of the time, like he puts, I was reading an interview of him and he puts 4 million uh, into the movie. Um, but the actors, like the actor is paying, don't have their own trailers. They're like, they're sleeping like everybody else. And, and so he knows that he's going to like sell, sell the, um, the movie for maybe two to four million, yeah. uh, domestically and internationally for another four million. So he knows that he's going to make money. And then if the movie is bad, some people are still going to go see it. Some horror fans are, are still going to go see it because people like even bad, bad horror movies. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's good, like it's going to be like paranormal activity, for example. Yeah. So it's all like way of doing things. And it was really successful because now you see it's saying a Blumhouse movie. Like they're saying like yeah. Blumhouse's, I don't know, Smile. I don't know if it was the one who produced Smile, but anyway. Time to go the other way around. So everyone, it's a question to you. Are you ready? Uh, I, I will test your actor's, no- actor's name knowledge. <laughs> okay. I hopefully I'm better than Ricardo. <laughs> uh, and also character's name, so it will be. Let's give it a go. Be... It's actually. Let, let's just say that in real life, I have real trouble with remembering names. I'm better with movies. Anyway, let's do it. Clarice Starling was played by Jodie Foster and and Julian Moore. Bravo! Ding 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 ding! Look at that this was guy. So easy, yeah. And there was supposed to be like, have you seen the um, TV show Hannibal? Yep. Mm-hmm. Ah, TV show. Oh, TV show. Okay. I haven't. Because at the very beginning of the TV show, uh, like the, the main actor who's the, um, uh, I don't recall his name, but it's the same character from the movie from Michael Mann's Manhunter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who's adapting. Oh, right, right, right. And there's, uh, there's that, that, so he's doing a presentation at the, at Quentico at the FBI. And there was, there's a young girl who comes to him. And she's a redhead and she, she's just like asking what question. And then she leaves and it was implied, implied that it was Clarice Stelling that was supposed to, to become the main actor, mm. main actress uh, in, in uh, season it. four or five, yeah. but it was canceled. So yeah. <laughs> also you want to hear something funny is that Jack Nicholas is not an actor. He is a golf player. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least he exists. Maybe he did play a wolfman at some point. We don't know. Could, oh, and the, the 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 film that Jack Nicholson was a werewolf in was actually called Wolf, and he played opposite of Michelle okay. Pfeiffer. I thought it was the Wolfman, but the Wolfman is a movie with Benicio del Toro. <laughs> right, and Benicio del Toro did not direct any films. Guillermo del Toro did, <laughs> and and they're not related either. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, it's time for your question to Ricky. Okay, Ricky, this this is a very difficult one. Peeping okay. Tom. Is it peeping time? <laughs> no, it's not. Well, I have, an, I have an easier one and a very difficult one. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter because I am 
I have one point on the board right now. It does. We're just here to have a good time. I'm just here to have a good time. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so because I, I've written in a way, but I'm not sure it's the, it's the clearest way. Okay. The question. Um, so I may help you further down the line. But what's the link between Psycho, Halloween, and Nightcrawler? The link, like there's an element in the film that is similar, that is in everyone. It's about people. It's about actors. It's a link between an actor from each movie. You can stop now and you have 30 seconds. Wow. There's an actor that's in all of those movies? That's in all of those? There's a link between each actor from between one actor to the next to the next. What were the movies again? Sorry, Psycho. Yeah, Psycho, Halloween, and Nightcrawler. You can replace Nightcrawler with Brokeback Mountain. I mean, Gyllenhaal? There's a Gyllenhaal in every one of those movies? No. Or the, I mean, Brokeback Mountain. Somebody dies. They die at the end? It's just the actors. There's a link between the actors. Let's say there's a family link between the actors. I was gonna. Well, I mean, well, my time is probably up, but I would say Jake Gyllenhaal. So there, maybe there's a, a Jodie Foster has a family link that her. Something. Okay, so th- this was this was kind of impossible, but it's just like I wanted to expand your knowledge. Yeah, please learn so, us. <laughs> learn us. Okay, so Janet Lee, who who, who plays in Psycho, yeah, in Alfred Hitchcock Psycho, uh, was married to Tony Curtis, who was another uh, okay. very famous right. actor. And what's the name of their their daughter? Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly, Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis is the main actress from Halloween. Halloween. Right. And Jamie Lee Curtis is actually, and that's something that I found out very recently, is Jake Gyllenhaal's godmother. Oh, that's too deep of a cut. I would never have expected that. (laughs) Wow. That is a good one. (laughs) Wow. Damn. Wow. Wow. Everyone, we should have you on all the time because even if we don't win, we'll at least learn something. Well, that's true, and that's the point. <laughs> and I, and I point. read, and I while well, well, I was like, because I knew that, but I wanted to check that if I, if it was not just my memory that was a bit fuzzy. And what what is funny is that Jamie Curtis is actually one of the best friends of Sigourney Weaver. Oh, I didn't know and that. She couldn't watch any of the Aliens movie because she was too scared. <laughs> well, <Wow>. and that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's time to, for the last question, Ricky, right? Yeah, this is the last question. So, Peter, uh, name three movies about serial killers. Or with serial, serial yeah, killers. Yeah, I mean, uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, would be the one. Uh, Saw would be another. And Hannibal would be another. Give the man the point. Thank there we you. go. It, it, it was. So thank you for your generosity. Okay, Ricardo. <laughs> thank you. Thank I, I do you. have to say that, that Piotr ju- just spoiled one of his favorite movies, but. Sorry? Yes, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Wolf of Snow. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay, Wolf yeah. of Snow <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, I have to say that like, uh, I like all the, all of Jim Cummings films. All of them. I love them. I, I support what he does like 100%. But still, like, uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow is on the third place for me. Like, um, The Hunter Road is number one, and The Beta Test is, like, almost number one, but it's number two. But I think that what he's working on right now, which I know that he's trying to get his film made, maybe he's going to... It's a horror movie he's preparing, right? Is it a horror movie? Yeah, it's going to be a horror movie, a Victorian horror movie. 
that's right. So I think that this one is going to be really something. Just judging from how Jim sometimes writes about it on Twitter, <laughs> I think that like <laughs> it has elements to it that he's like afraid that will not make this movie possible to make. Uh, like, you know, for other people to produce. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he probably did something sketchy in it anyway. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see yeah, that. Yeah, me too. All right. So that is the last round. Last question. So the uh, scores stand as such. Let's just, let's just say that everyone won. Okay. Everyone knows it already. Everyone won. <laughs> and Peter came in second. Yeah. And with like, 1.333 points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, I could say something that, that like, you know, that we let everyone win, but it would be an obvious lie and everyone would know it. So I will not do it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that being said, what was the, so what was the simpler question that you were going to ask me? Okay. So I'm asking that to bo- both of you. So I'm very big on, on, for some reason on, on Jason from the, the Friday the 13th, even if I, I don't think I've seen any of the movie like in their totality. Because I think they're just like mostly boring, um, but which very famous director, extremely famous director, played a little part in Jason Ten, which is Jason in Space. Ah, uh, and that's that's a movie I only saw once. James Gunn. I don't know. No, it was before James Gunn was famous. So he was already famous, and then in Jason in Space. Yeah, the director was already very famous and it's more a cameo, like a glorified cameo than anything else. I see you, Ricardo. Oh, I see. I can see. I know what it is. (laughs) I would never have guessed that. What is it? So, David Cronenberg. Who is Ricardo? David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg. All right. So that was, yeah, that was my my easy question. And uh, I have no no more. Well, that's it for the game this time around. Hopefully, maybe the next time we have the game, we'll we'll have Erwan on to trounce us in points, and then, uh, but also <laughs> feed our knowledge and learn us some things, teach us the ways of obscure familial connections, like between <laughs> psycho. I love finding that stuff out. Like for Jack Nicholson, did you know that Jack Nicholson only found out who his real mother was because of an interview with a journalist? Like, and he was very late. It was, I don't really recall, but 30 or 40 when a journalist found out, like doing research on Jack Nicholson, that his actual mother, his grandmother always played the part of being his mother. Uh-huh. And he found out that his aunt was actually his mother. Oh, and that's a journalist who told him about it. <laughs> wow. That's weird. So, you know, family trivia is my, is my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like collecting Joe from, from the floor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like his reaction, like would have been extreme. Yeah, yeah. He probably punched some more glass and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Peter, do you want to talk about the editing chef now? You know that editing chef was always strong on the productivity. Basically, I do like the whole the library of videos is set up the way that it goes for the whole workflow, but the workflow in my opinion, is like everything from the moment you get the footage or even earlier to the moment you deliver the cut. So uh, we talk about things like a prep work, like setting up your environment, time blocking, and also this technical stuff, like what you do on the timeline, how you label clips, how you organize the timelines, everything like that, right? And then even things like, you know, collecting your inspirations for the future, client feedback, all this stuff. But 
with this recent relaunch, I'm adding more to it. So basically, it's no longer just about this productivity workflow. It's also about editing techniques. So things like, for example, split screen editing, right? When you take two cuts, two takes, and you merge them together to deliver a performance that wasn't really there. About using morph cuts, J cuts, uh, smash cuts, everything like that. So I will be publishing like every every two weeks, I will be pub- publishing a new video with it will be very concise, very short addressing one concept of these like creative editing techniques. So that's one thing that is added to the program. Another one is community that is like hosted on its own platform. So we're not on social media. We are on like a very dedicated platform for communities where we can share like experiences, ask questions, things like that. And we have always had some live sessions in the Editing Chef program, but this time we'll have even more. Some of them will be topic-based and, and some of them will be actually uh, like more like special events. For example, on December 8th, we'll have a roundtable discussion with top-tier editors. So we'll have uh, people we've had on the podcast, uh, actually. So Simon Smith, Elizabeth Ron's daughter, Vashini Domanski, right? Mike Hugo, Audrey uh, Simonod. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her French Simonon. name. Simonon, Simonon. right? And Jacob Brika, the author of the book, uh, Documentary Editing. So all of them discussing, answering, like it will be like three parts structure. The first one, me asking all of them a question. Then we'll have a section where they ask themselves a questions, uh, you know, questions, right? And in the third part, people from the editing chef will have a chance to ask questions to those editors, right? So that's something that I'm very excited about. I can't wait to, to, to host it. Yeah, and the last thing that I want to mention that is also in the program is practice footage. And uh, first, it will be a comp- it will be added to editing quirks videos for these like editing creative editing techniques videos, so that you can practice what I'm talking about on actual footage. But uh, at the same time, we'll also have like a full full short film. Uh, called Ashes, which is actually a horror short film that people will be able to download and edit, edit on their own and even use in their reel. That's very exciting. Like all the all the new stuff that you implemented within I the, know. the course <laughs> and, and like the people you managed to to get uh, to come to the round table. And, uh, and no, I mean, it's very excited and to see how the course is growing and becoming like like fuller and fuller. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we, we have like two price tiers. So one is a little bit more expensive. Things, it, it includes all, all that I, you know, was talking about. And the other one is just about live sessions, uh, special events like director's discussions, right? Like this, sorry, roundtable discussions and about community, right? So, yeah, if you're interested in joining a community that is focused on growing as an, edit- as an editor, then I encourage you to check it out. There will be a link in the description, of course. And yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I hope to see you inside. Yeah. Cool. All very interesting stuff. So yeah, uh, I mean, I, that's how I ended up meeting Peter is through the editing chef. So making it more robust, as he said, it's it's really exciting. And to like grow that community within itself is also really exciting. Yeah. And organizing, like, it's one of the latest thing I learned and I'm still learning that organizing your footage, your, well, everything you need to, to edit is just like so important to not waste time further down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's something that 
when you start editing, you just like, you just take whatever and you put it, you put it where it is and you just start because you're just looking for like cutting. Okay. How does it work? How does cutting work? Why would going from that shot to that shot works? But like when you're getting like better and better at it, you find that, Oh, I'm losing a lot of time, like looking through to the footage, looking for this or that. And you start thinking, okay, what are the ways? And it's still like, and I still find myself nowadays and I'm not like, I'm, I'm very interesting in that course that I couldn't take so far because I just don't have the time, but like, I would be very interested to join in to see how you do it because that's something that I've always struggled with. Like my mind is going in every direction all the time and I have a hard time like focusing on like on getting things ready. So now I'm forcing myself, but I'm still, I still haven't reached the level that you probably like both have, especially uh, Peter. To be clear, I, I think that you know, project organization is still, it's something that you keep learning. Like even, even for me, I think like, you know, if I had a project that is like, I don't know, that has like 100 hours of raw footage, right. Then I would probably approach it differently than what I do for regular stuff, regular projects. Right. So it always depends on the workflow. What I teach in the course are like, you know, foundations, like practices, what you should do as like good practice when organizing footage. Right. But like this stuff, like that's why I always say that that like editing is, is editing is the art form that you can learn how to do in uh, two days, but you need a lifetime to master it, right? Because exactly. each yeah. project teaches you something new, mm-hmm. requires a different approach. So, for example, for me, like when I do select reels, that's something that I talk about in the course as well, right? I usually do them like you know, very rarely I like reuse clips in multiple select reels but when the project gets bigger and you have like multiple storylines so for a feature documentary i would definitely do it i would have like select reels that are like you know like a storyline specific right and Mm -hmm. then you have Mm -hmm. to sometimes you have to duplicate them to select reels that are for a given character for example right or for Mm -hmm. lines that Mm -hmm. are i don't know like emotionally important or things like that I think the foundations are most important, but then I always encourage people to not take anything that they learn as granted because a project will dictate how you actually have to, should actually, you know, the, do, do something a little bit differently, right? And, you know, once you're a bigger editor, which I'm not at this point yet, you have your assistants who, are, who, who do a lot of this stuff for you. But even then, you have to know how to do it yourself because you're the one to tell them how they should organize the footage. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have to be able to tell them that's that's how I want. Yeah. You need to know how you like to work and how, how you get yeah. to the best result fast, right? But great great editors also like to look at how their assistants work and sometimes they learn from the, their assistants. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, oh, you do it that way. I never thought about it that way. And they can use it in the, their future projects. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a great editor never assumes that he cannot learn from an assistant. Yeah, to me, you have to be in that, when you're editing and like through life, you have to be able to, to say to yourself, I can learn from anyone, even someone that's younger than me. Mm-hmm. Like, like age doesn't matter. It's just like people have ideas that you would never think yeah. of. And people had experiences that you didn't have. And you can take, like, a, I'm, I'm never thinking, oh, I'm, I'm experienced. So that means that I'm a better editor than this guy or that girl. No, it's just like, I, I have more experience, but we may come with like new ideas, new stuff that will change the way I see editing. Yeah. Anyway, 
was just a segue. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. Okay, guys, let's uh, you know do the final section, which is about horror movies with interesting ending or editing. Because I thought you're doing <laughs> the ones with interesting ending or <laughs> oh, both. The, the the most recent one that I saw that stuck out to me, which may not be groundbreaking, but I don't know that you guys maybe you've seen it, Erwan. I don't know about you, Peter. Um, but it was uh, a film called X. Just came out within the past like the two or the three X. years. <laughs> like X, like the the letter X. Ah, okay, the letter. X. Oh yeah, okay. no, I've seen this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely seen it's, this it's one. It's kind of an homage. It's a, a little bit homagey. I don't want to give too much away. In case I mean, we've already given other spoilers away on this podcast, but um, <laughs> regardless, well, these are spoilers for where because of the editing and stuff. But there, there are very interesting transitions between scenes, and then yeah. also some a little bit more. The way that they they had done some montages, we'll call it a montage, but not some. It's not really a montage, but in regards to the transitions, usually it's like the transition will be either if you're thinking about Star Wars or even within that film X, there's a, a transition of like a wipe or something like a dissolve. But within this, they actually did like flash frames of the next scene. There, there's a name for it. I, I think there is a name for it, but I, I I've seen an editor on Twitter. Uh, use a name for, for that. But as you say, it's flash frame between it's, uh, um, it's like the intercut for a second or, or two, yeah. like one, the, 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 the latest shot from the, from the latest scene and the first shot from the next right. scene. And they just like intercut for a few seconds right. and then they go to the next scene. Yeah. So I thought that stood out to me because I hadn't seen that before, honestly, in other films. Yeah. And that was interesting. And then there's a, um, a scene where, the we'll say the bad guy the bad lady the bad guy is um kind of prepping yourself and they're shooting it at the same time as so the the premise of x is that it's this group of filmmakers who are shooting an adult film at at like a farmhouse that they're renting from these crazy farmers and there's a scene where they're they're prepping and shooting the scene and then it's like intermingled but it's like done with like uh how would you describe it, Peter or Peter um, Erwan? But it's like split screens and there's a lot of movement going in between like the montage. So it's not like a montage of like them getting ready and then a montage of the woman of a woman getting ready, but it's more um, very artfully done, which I hadn't seen in a while within at least. Horror I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure I completely recall that scene, but that I would call a montage anyway. Like if there's a passage of time, yeah, I, I, I recall that the, the editing was really super nice. And just going back to the transition we were talking about, sorry, but I think it's also because the movie is supposed to happen in the seventies. Yep. I think. And it was like in the seventies, they were experimenting a lot editing wise. And I think that's something that kind of transition you could find into this kind of experimental movies. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to recreate not only through the costumes and through the time frame of the movie, but also through the editing. They're trying to recapture the editing style of that period mm-hmm. because they want, it's almost a chainsaw massacre. Yeah. You know? Sorry. Going back to what you were saying. Yeah. I don't re- really recall that scene, so I can't really speak for it, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, like you said, it's very time and place type of the style of obviously the film is set in the seventies, which also, mm-hmm. you know, it's an, uh, there's homage. It's an homage to Texas chainsaw massacre, the original one uh, without it being a slasher Texas chainsaw massacre movie. But yeah, also then with this other montage that I'm trying to describe, maybe very poorly, is that it it kind of 
takes that style and kind of twists it and that this is more of like the style of it is a little bit more fresh than you would see where it's like, I think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a very simple movie in the way that it's edited comparatively. But regardless, it's a, it's a fun movie and I recommend seeing it. And it's very well shot and very well acted. Yeah. And the director, Ty West, is like, I think it's his, I'm not sure it's his first horror movie. I think he'd done some in the past. But he's he's getting some traction as an as a director. He's starting to get like well known, and he directed a, another horror movie that just got released that is called Pearl. Yeah, and it's with the same main actress. Which, it, yeah, it's in the same in universe X. actually. So it's in the same universe. Oh, I didn't it's know like that. a prequel actually to X. Hmm. All right, okay. Um, and then he's actually working on another one, which will be after the uh, the. So it's, it's going to be a trilogy. Yeah, it's going to be a trilogy. That character, correct? If I may a scene that I really like, the editing off. And you, you can, again, you can argue that it's more of a thriller than, than a horror, but I just, <laughs> I just love the scene with Judy Foster from The Silence of the Lamb when, Wait, when, when, she, when she's in the cellar and uh, oh, yeah. it's oh, yeah. dark all around and he's, she's just like walking in the dark and you can see the, the, the yeah. point of view of the, you know... Yeah, with yeah, the night yeah, vision. The night vision, exactly. And like the tension, the tension in that film and like that... What I like about the scene is how deliberately they postpone that scare moment, right? And they play on the expectations mm-hmm. the audience has. So I, I love this scene, like seriously. There's actually a very li- nice little editing anecdote about that movie. I don't know if you recall, but near the end, yeah, the scene you, you're talking about, like the FBI is looking for Clarice and they had a tip. Um, and so they go to the house and you have like intercutting her in the house about to figuring out that that he's yeah. the killer mm-hmm. and and they're coming to help her and they're arriving and they just bust the door open and you think oh she's she's safe now it but it's you find that out that it's actually the wrong house yeah. like they really played they intercutted the way you think it's the yeah. same house but they, they got the wrong house and the editor was saying actually yeah everybody's congratulating me because i think it was one of the first time that that kind of misdirect mm-hmm was in, in, in a movie oh, because then it was used a, a lot after that. But he said, the first time I cut that, I have to be honest, I didn't do that. If they, were, they just went to the, the wrong house and I didn't do the intercutting. So you didn't think they were in the right, in wow. the right house. We were just, yeah. And just the idea went through editing and it's just a brilliant idea. Yeah. Br- brilliant yeah. editing. But it was, it was like, it was not his first in- yeah. instinct. Uh, by the way, so. misdirection in horror, in horror and the thing is big, right? Because like, that's what you want yeah. to do. Like you want to misdirect people. Exactly. <laughs> Even with sound effects. Yeah. Like, and you, know, and you want to do this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And especially in thriller, you want to play on that. Like, I mean, in every kind of movie, you want to play on, on people's expectations. Yeah. You want to surprise them because they're like, like audiences are, are used to the way we, we tell stories and they're even like, they're expecting them to try and change, change up the formula. And so they're really like audiences are really smart. So it's really hard to surprise them. And that was a way at the time to surprise them, but that wouldn't be surprising anymore. When I see stuff like that, I'm thinking, oh yeah, it's, we're not in a wrong, in the same house <laughs> or things like that. Or, That's and true. that happened very recently when I was watching something. And there's a movie that just got released on HBO Max and that a lot of people were talking on, on the internet on, um, it was the call, the movie is called Barbarian. Yeah, I watched it last night. And it's, you watched it I last did. night? Really? And, and it's supposed to be like, 
completely you 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 should be completely unable to to tell what's going what's what's going to be happening in the next scene yeah. and every next scene because you really don't know where the movie's going and that's the kind of movie I'm really excited to watch because I'm sometimes you're so bored because like it's always the same formula for every genre every film and then getting like something you don't know what's going to happen and it still makes sense it's really hard to to tell yeah barbarian's really good recommend that yeah we almost interviewed right. the editor of barbarian but um they no what happened why, why didn't you he heard about our knowledge that we were going to be expressing in this episode and was like f that i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> you know if you want to leave us a voice message in the description there's a speak pipe link and then also we have an email and then also you can reach out us you can follow us on uh, instagram at cut to reveal other than that you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully we can have Erwan on again to do more of the game. And hopefully in the next season, we'll also play the game more. Yeah, more trivia with um, <laughs> with um, other editors and other guests. So until until next time. Until next time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Erwan, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, or subscribe on whatever platform you've listened to this on. Your reviews help other editors to discover the show and tell your friends. Also, if you have any questions or comments, leave us a message at SpeakPipe. There's a link in the description or email us at podcast at cuttothepoint.com. 